Roll for initiative. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Everyday Dungeon Master, a podcast for the everyday DM and the players who love them. I'm your host, Heath, and we have another DM Roundtable episode coming at you hot today. Uh, this is our holiday D&D Roundtable, and I have with me DM Peter. Hello, hello. Good to be back. Great to have you back. DM William. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Howdy, howdy. And DM Trevor. Ahoy, hoy. <laughs> <laughs> Keeping it pirate themed. <laughs> Solid. And we have a great show for you all today. So stick around as we talk a bunch of talk. So we have some awesome topics here uh, for us to talk through uh, on today's Redeem Roundtable. Topic number one, we'll be touching base on our D&D Christmas wish lists. Uh, topic two, we'll dive into the latest one D&D playtest material that got released on the 1st of December. And then we'll be diving into our Campfire Stories, Volume 4. So let's just bring it back to the top here. Let's dive into our first topic. We got our D&D Christmas wish lists. So what are you guys looking for this, this Christmas? Like, or holiday, if you don't celebrate Christmas, whatever holiday you celebrate. What are you looking for this, this year for, for your D&D collections? I'm looking to play a D&D game, ideally. Just wants for, to play. For moi, that's top of the list. Yeah, just <laughs> want a noble goal. Yeah, I'm going to start knocking on people's doors. Hey, are you, you, have you, oh my God, he's going to turn into like Latter-day Saints, but it's going to be like. You could try sneaking in down room. the chimney. <laughs> yeah, I'm just dragging, <laughs> dragging a fucking bag of books. <laughs> you just listen down the chimney first and be like, I thought I heard a dice roll. And then you just dive down. <laughs> I thought I <it> was- <laughs> Uh, amazing. So just, just guys, if you're out there, if you just contact William doesn't, he works like 16 million hours a week. So who get good luck with that. Too, too goddamn Good much. luck with that. Thanks. Capitalism. Sign up for like Bumble or something. Go to the Bumble BFFs and be like, play me in D&D right now. <laughs> <laughs> right now. Play. <laughs> <laughs> just fucking right. This goes back to earlier about a pocket full of dice. Store robbery or <laughs> my friend. friend. You could do like a correspondence game. You could do by text and just roll the results. It'll be a slow game, but at least you could play. You know, I'm going to start being pen pals with prison inmates <laughs> is what I need to do. I'm going to find me a husband and a level three cleric. Hey, everything's possible. And that's his Christmas. <laughs> so William's looking to play the game. He's looking for a husband and a level three cleric. <laughs> the story of Will and Big Bubba. If you're if you feel like you're William's big bubba, just give him a give him a call. His number is uh, <laughs> 867-5309. <laughs> I'm looking for a man who's slinging twenty sided rocks. You know what I mean? Uh good good grief, Charlie Brown. <laughs> now I kinda wanna like build like a D and D Tinder. Right <laughs> <laughs> uh uh all right, who who who's next? What do you guys want? What are you guys looking forward to uh for forward? Looking for Looking forward to, it all works. In this, in the spirit of it, can we roll off? Can we do that? Is that allowed what, here? Rolling dice is never allowed. What are you talking about? This roll is... for initiative. All right, Trevor. 
kick us off. All right. So you all might want to get some better dice, but what I want is uh, some uh, scale model of some kind of sailing ship. Uh, I've been preparing a seafaring campaign and, you know, kind of looking for ways to represent a ship for my my uh, crew. Uh, I have some cardboard figured out. I've got it all cut out. And um, I've been seeing a lot of, like, officially available models, but they're, like, a couple hundred dollars. It's like, I'm not going to spend Oof. that much. So thinking about 3D printing one, I don't know. I have to find uh, a good solution. I'm, I am I am playing uh, in a week, so I've, I've just got cardboard for now. And then the other thing I'm always putting on my wish list is their hardware storage boxes. I have um, some interlocking boxes that are really useful for mini organization. And uh, every year I put more on there. Pretty soon I'm going to run out of room even for the storage solutions. So I guess I guess I could downsize the mini collection, but that's probably Under not, no not my favorite option happen. there. No, no, absolutely it's not. Not an acceptable outcome. All minis, all minis need a home. All right, and we don't want to. We're not in the business of displacing minis. I would say they all need some elbow room, but not all of them have elbows. There's some tentacles. There's some some weird appendages and things like that. They're all kind of poking into each other. Whatever they are. Can we do like a little insert into the podcast where after the all minis need a home thing, we do that angel, that sad ass fucking dog thing. And Heath is like, yeah, yeah. And Heath is just like, we've honed 14 mini figures this year alone. That actually. By donating your views. This was the insert because I ain't editing that in. So. <laughs> Beautiful. We'll let the listener imagine how funny that would be. <laughs> we give the gift of imagination to you, the listener. Yeah. And that's the game. Yeah. Just imagine listening to a better podcast with better personalities. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you called back Dr. Geddes. So. <laughs> guys, I was honest, I'm just scraping the bottom of the barrel. All right, listen, you guys are the ones that said yes. So. Yeah, every, everybody else. Everybody else in the guest list had plans already. It's just us losers down at the bottom. <laughs> yeah. Everyone else started their Christmas vacation already. We're the only ones left at school. We're all sitting around like Scrooge. There's a reason it's December and we're only now being on the podcast. You know, that's <laughs> yeah. all I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, I think I was I think it was on the podcast back for the first time back in like July or April or something like that. The funny thing is I've listened to all of them and I've never heard of you, Peter. <laughs> Oh, okay. Heath, is this some kind of tax write-off, some kind of charity you're doing with us? <laughs> it is. In the arms of yeah. an angel. <laughs> we, we have found homes for displaced podcast guests. Here they are. <laughs> Mis misfits and oh, miscreants, all of them. Heath, the philanthropist midkiss. Coming at you hot. Coming at you hot from this glorious Arizona winter. No. All right. You're not the bottom of the barrel. You're some of the best. And that's why I saved you for the holiday episode. Cause this is, it's already a great time. As you can tell. We're bringing cheer and ass whoopings, brother. <laughs> <laughs> We're 10 minutes in and we got one person's Christmas list. This is going stellar. This is going great. We're creating content. That's the important thing. We got content. We're pumping it out. Let's get it going. <laughs> 
Heath, do you have an editor or are we just saddling you with more and more every passing moment? It's all me, baby. <laughs> this is what I live for, though. So while we're on it, you guys want to talk about Kanye? <laughs> <laughs> Oh God! Yeah. Oh my God! <laughs> All right. Oh, well, I was next. I got a fifteen. What do I want for Christmas? William, just stop talking about Kanye. Is number one. <laughs> yeah, that's high on my list now too. I'm gonna bump it up. <laughs> I never want to hear the name Kanye West again. So can we just can we move on? It's okay because you just changed the name to just Yay now. <laughs> wow. Like when Prince turned himself into a symbol. <laughs> yeah. Uh. All right. Anyway, uh, so what I want for Christmas is I just literally, I'm pretty simple this year, guys. I'm looking for, I want a wood DM screen because I'm done with the stupid like mm. plastic ones that you like, they, they, they fold in on themselves and you, they always fall over. You get one of those nice high quality Etsy wood DM screens. Um, and I, I want a 3D printer, although I don't really have room for a 3D printer. But, you know, they're like, I remember when 3D, or 3D printers came out and they were like three grand, four grand. And now they're like, you can get two for 50 bucks at Costco, I feel like nowadays. So it'll make a pack. Yeah. <laughs> you actually have to buy one and then you print, you print the other one. <laughs> yeah. You take one 3D printer, you print another 3D printer with the 3D printer. Yeah. <laughs> That's, the, That's move. the move. And they just turn into self-replicating monsters. Yeah. Insert insert AI movie here. AI robots building robots. Not only are we offering holiday content, we're offering uh, session plots. Yeah, that's right. I want my, my party to fight just an army of 3D printers. That <laughs> <laughs> Their only move is they can print another 3D printer. That's not right, going to be too exactly. hard to beat, I think. <laughs> just oh, unplug it. Just unplug it. <laughs> just unplug it. Amazing. Uh, who is next? I think that it goes to William next. Yeah, I got a mighty eight, my boy. Um, so I have it's all okay. So I have um, Steinhardt's Guide to the Eldritch Hunt, uh, made by a company. I don't know if it's a company or a dude, but Monkey DM. It's like a um, it, it funded like two point six on what are all the big like Kickstarter funding, like Kickstarter or something. Yeah, funded two point six million. Um, I backed it, but here's the thing. Like I'm a shit bag and like at the time I had the money and then now they're sending me all these fucking emails. Like I'm big baller still, <laughs> but, but, uh, it's and the super cool. No, no. Yeah. But, um, it's like, a uh, 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 like a dark souls, like a uh, bloodborne sort of thing meets, uh, Eldritch horror. Um, but it seems super cool. They're coming out with um, like a new madness table. Uh, super cool monsters. Um, they've got like some like uh, new like subclasses, which I don't always subscribe to as far as like when people are just like making subclasses, it can be broken super easily, but maybe it can be cool. So I think it something like that'll take work with your DM to figure out like what's good for you and what's good for your table type thing. But um yeah, somebody, uh, presumably named Monkey DM, worked super hard on it, and people fucking loved it. And uh, but yeah, I think um, I don't know how any of this works. I don't know if uh, like I can like 
be like, hey, guys, I still want to do it, even though it's been like two and a half months. Um, but uh, yeah, definitely that's coming out soon or going to be printed or something. But but it looks uh, super cool. And it's right up. Like, Keith, you know, my thing with horror, like it looks super cool. There's like 12. It's kind of like got the system where there's like 12 moons different phases of the moon and it bestows different sorts of like madness and like creates different um monstrous entities and and all sorts of cool shit so it's zelda breath of the wild if i was fucking cool enough i'd know that reference oh, okay. but i'm not <laughs> it was a ba- it was a really bad it was a really bad reference so don't don't worry about it well i mean listen that's cool i mean i i'm always looking for cool material so it's it's, it's own it's its own like rpg thing right it's not a no it's it's a it's a 5e supplement yeah it's its own world like uh like i don't know anything anybody else is coming out with but it's a cool new world that to me it seems uh unique you know what i mean because uh yeah it just seems unique it seems fun that's awesome cool all right peter you're the last one what do you got what do you got on your wish list Oh, it's funny that my wish list was smaller before these guys started talking (laughs) (laughs) adding to it uh no trevor 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 kind of made a quip about my dice because i rolled so low but i was i was just thinking yeah you know what i actually have 22 sets of the exact same dice in this bag and i want to get it to 25 so if i can get three more sets of the exact same dice that i already have and finish this bag off that would be lovely and then i can start on a new new bag and have a 25 sets of another exact same pair of dice because i'd just be like that I was gonna say, so you're you're a uniform dice collector, not necessarily like a multi dice collector. Yeah. yeah, no, they are they're all like the exact same dice, and it is it is twenty two of the exact same set in here because I'm like, yeah, that's what that bag is gonna be, and then when I get another bag, it'll be a different set of dice, and it'll be twenty five of that set of dice, and then maybe eventually I'll bring myself to have a mixed bag, but I just it's too aesthetically pleasing when it's all uniform like that. It just, it just looks nice and orderly. And then uh, I don't have to be like, Oh, which one of these dice is cursed? Because it's like, well, uh, <laughs> they're just all the exact same. So, figure it out. <laughs> uh, so Peter, we're finding out that Peter's the, it's the lawful good is a lawful good DM of the group. So, yeah <laughs> he's the sweet well, the, boy around here the, uh the real the real intimidation factor comes in when somebody's like oh i need to borrow dice and i'm like dare you draw from the bag. <laughs> <laughs> figure it out which one of these is cursed that's amazing that could be a fun encounter like or there's like an old riddle where there's a bunch of coins that all look the same do you have to figure out which one is uh has a different weight and you have a scale and you only get to use it a certain number of times could do that with dice and figure out which one rolls cursed, but you only yeah. Or or kind of going off on a tangent, that that kind of be a fun encounter if like you have an alchemist uh, artificer in your party that doesn't really get a lot of chance to use his like alchemy tool proficiency. It's like, well, hey, guess what, Mister Chemist? Let's run some tests. So true. <laughs> Why do I suck? We, fi- <laughs> we finally found one use for the for the alchemist artificer subclass. <laughs> Yeah, no, the alchemist is built for role play. The alchemist is not built for combat. They're supposed to sit in the back and be like, hmm, yes, this is very interesting data. Now, the other things that are on my uh, uh, on my D&D Christmas list uh, is primarily um, 3.5 books because uh, the very first games I ever played uh, were 3.5, and I've not gone back since, but my current boss is like really big into 3.5. 
Uh, so I kind of want to get down just like the Dungeon Master Guide, the first edition, well, the first version of the 3.5 Monster Manual. That's a mouthful. Uh, and the uh, Player's Handbook, just to, you know, get started, get a shelf going. And then just, you know, I'm, I'm told I will need multiple shelves because there's like a million 3.5 books, but got to start yeah, somewhere. Absolutely. Uh, and then the last thing um, William mentioned, he wanted, you know, uh, like a third party uh, expansion pack. And it pops into my mind. I don't know why I didn't think of this earlier. This isn't a shout out. I just like the idea of it. Um, the Fool's Gold campaign, they're putting out like their own supplement uh, and they're they're. Uh, uh, animation on YouTube. I don't. I don't remember if they stream or not. But there's a uh, there's a YouTuber that animates and like kind of tells the story of the campaign. It's gotten a lot of attention. They announced they're doing uh, kind of the same thing as like what Matt Mercer did with uh, Explorer's Guide to Wildmount, as their DM is creating a book like for their setting. And so I'm like, yeah, it's it seems like a neat enough setting. I want to get my hands on that too. Awesome. That's really cool. While we're, would you? Well, Peter just mentioned uh, his first like introduction to D&D. And I feel like whenever we were on as individual DMs, we brought it up. But like I just had like a fucking oh, what, a core memory trigger. Do we all want to say like what our f- very first initial like, oh, that's a D&D thing is real quick? Yeah, dude, let's do it. You start. You see you brought it up. Yeah. Yeah. Hell yeah. For me, there. you guys remember... When YouTube was like the fucking Wild West and like salad fingers and shit was just, you know, it. there used to be this series and on YouTube called uh, Unforgotten Realms. Have you any of you guys seen it? That sounds so familiar. I've probably heard it referenced to, but I don't think I've ever actually watched it. It was like this like uh, cyanide and happiness type animation for, I don't know, it was just like this. Fuck this dude tried to get his friend to play D and D and his friend was like, Oh, I'm going to be an asshole the whole campaign. And they just fucking animate it, <laughs> animate it. And it was, just, it was just so funny. That sounds not dissimilar. From what I did. No, mine was, um, I'd, I'd heard stereotypes and stuff. You know, my, my parents were very religious. So I, I heard all like, I knew all about the satanic panic, and but it was like something that happened over there. It wasn't anything that I was terribly involved in. Now I was pretty autonomous uh, uh, growing up. Like I was, I was one hell of a rebellious child. And then by the time I got to an adult, my parents were like, "Well, there will be legal ramifications for your mistakes now. So <laughs> figure it out." <laughs> uh, so uh, I was pretty much made to do just like whatever the fuck I wanted, and uh, that was how I ended up. Uh, I went. I was at. I, I think it was. Yeah, I was going. Uh, to my student government uh, zone in uh, my community college because uh, I had to request some equipment. I was the head of the film club. Um, we were going to go out and do a shoot. And to get there, you had to pass through like the, the cafeteria area. Now, this is like after hours. This is like five. I thought you were going to say you had to answer three riddles from a sphinx, and that was your first, <laughs> first no. D&D game. No, I haven't had that stereotype. Like I'm, I'm walking past this table and it's the anime club and I don't see any anime on the table and I'm f- fairly familiar with them because they use the same room as I do for club things. They're immediately uh, after me. I walk by and I'm like, what are these guys doing with like graph paper? And like, this is the anime club, right? What are you, are you guys doing like math homework? Uh, and so I was like, Hey Josh, cause he was the president of anime club. I'm like, what is what are you guys doing? Uh, and he was like, Oh, we're playing, we're playing Dungeons and Dragons. And I was like, Oh, cool. 
And then I walked past and just, you know, I went and I put my stuff on it. And, and then in the way back, I was like, I've heard about D&D. What is it? Uh, and then two weeks later, I was playing a lizard folk uh, wizard who's still my favorite character. Uh, his name was Calderath nice. because I didn't know how lore works. I, <laughs> and I just thought it sounded cool. <laughs> Hell yeah. No, that's sick. I'd hang out with that dude. I was I was in uh I think junior year in high school. I was in trigonometry class and um had no idea what I was doing. But there was a kid in my group who again kind of fit the stereotype of a kid you'd picture pick playing D and D in high school. But instead of doing trigonometry homework and things like that, we just talked the whole time we actually you know got in trouble for it a lot but one time he said have you ever heard the story of the killer gazebo i was like what are you talking about i was like what what are you talking about so he told me this legend you may have heard about uh in an early edition probably first edition of D. this party walks out into this courtyard a garden or something and the DM describes this gazebo in the center and one of the players is like, well, is the gazebo armed? And the DM <laughs> looks around at the other players and they're all, what is he talking about? No, it's not armed. It's a gazebo. And he's like, well, is it looking at us? No, the guy doesn't know what a gazebo <laughs> is. He thinks it's a monster. So they go back and forth. This, They go back and forth and the player's like, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stab him. And the guy says, no, you can't. He eats you. You're dead. And I was like, this sounds like the stupidest but funniest thing I've ever heard. What is this game? And again, at that time, all I really knew about was, uh, you know, the satanic panic. Dungeons and Dragons will make you a demon worshiping, magic using, whatever, which, you know, kind of sounds cool now. But um, <laughs> yeah, you're like, I'm sold immediately. Like. No. Fucking show me the way. What are we doing? But it was that's I was like I, I didn't think anything of it. And then fifth edition obviously got really popular from critical role and showing up in Stranger Things. And I got the starter set. I think yeah, I was probably in my thirties, maybe late twenties. And my brother in law and sister in law got me the starter set for Christmas. So it is a holiday episode. It all comes back. And uh that was that. probably seven years ago. So Circle, and I baby. finally was reading the books and I was like, yeah, this is just math homework basically with extra steps. So <laughs> yeah, this is math homeworks with vivid hallucinations, yeah, vivid group uh, delusions, how to play D and D's step one, get a calculator. Step two, take a psychedelic mushroom. <laughs> yeah. You'll get, no, you'll get bro, there. One of the guys I used to play with, one of the guys I used to play with, I, I, <laughs> He's probably one of the best players I've ever been at a table with straight up with do shrooms <laughs> before sessions. I, that man was like, he was playing like 5D <laughs> on the rest of the world down here in three dimensions. He's playing 5D. God, I yeah. like, sword wounds are showing up on him. You're just like, what's happening? Like blood spurting everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> no, he was, he was 100% the best player I've ever shared a table with. I was just in like slack-jawed uh. awe at like how good at this guy was i mean like he was he was playing a character this was the first guy that ever made me want to like not min-max a character and just play a character for a character hell yeah that's how fucking that's cool. powerful those yeah, that's, cool. were. <laughs> <laughs> that's the secret i wonder if you could yeah, you could probably do that 
several ways, probably several ways, but mushrooms, I guess, is a shortcut. <laughs> that is a shortcut. It was just his thing. And I was like, all right, cool. It's like, glad to have you at the table. You were a joy to the party. And he wasn't even like going crazy or anything like your tip. Like, you know, you get this people on the outside looking in because I know like there's plenty of people that listen to the podcast. I imagine probably not everyone listening to the podcast has had some level of involvement with drugs. So there's stereotypes that go with that. This dude wasn't like some crazy like crack nut. Right. He was just like a guy playing D&D. But I don't know what it did, but it just like turned him into like the perfect actor. And I was just like, get this man in Hollywood. <laughs> well, I think in some sense you have to there anything that can lower your initial inhibitions about the silliness of the game, because it is a silly game, like you said, William. So like anything, obviously you don't want to, you know, take your clothes off and do ayahuasca in the forest, but something that can help. Speak for yourself. Well, okay, Trevor. maybe you do, William. I don't know. I, I don't want to. I don't want to cast any aspersions on those that prefer that. But uh, if you want to finish a session, maybe that's not what you want to do. So, you know, all for the DM, maybe not as much because you know you do have to do some math and a lot of plotting and things. But um, you know, that's interesting. You, usually, we have something, some adult beverage or something like that to to kind of grease the wheels. Well, listen, everybody, I think what we're all trying to get at is if, if you want to be a good D&D player, worship the devil and do <laughs> drugs, drugs, and then you're going to fly like a horse. Yeah, that's, that's the take. I mean, <laughs> as in most cases, good advice for D&D is good advice for life. So there you go. Never split the party, it's worship the devil, the and do drugs. Um, <laughs> Keith, have you ever told us, uh, you've probably told us like the first time that you've played D&D. But did you tell, mm-hmm. ever tell the story of like the first time you heard of D&D or had? Yeah, I, no, I never did. But I honestly, I don't remember. I know as a kid, I had heard of it. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I had heard of it. People, I think kids at my school played uh, D&D. I never played. I never even really had a desire to only because I didn't really have any friends, period. But then also didn't have friends who played D&D on top of it. Uh, well, now you do, boy. <laughs> seriously, now all my friends playing D&D. Yeah, this man's really trying to get this game going. <laughs> uh, I, I got a, I got a fucking eight hour window where it can happen. Let's make, make it work. work. Oh man, so yeah, so yeah. I mean, it wasn't until like that kind of like in and out of in and out of elementary school, uh, middle school, high school. Didn't really hear that. No one around me played D and D. Didn't really hear about it. And then we get to the uh, 2020, the pandemic, and my cousin just like mentioned, like randomly just mentions to me, "Hey, you want to play?" D&D online and I was like sure yeah absolutely so roll the character and the rest is history well guys thank you so much for for taking some time to share your your D&D Christmas wish list with us um and then some uh and let's go ahead and jump into our second topic All right, we're back. It is our second topic, and this is the meat and potatoes portion of the episode where we talk about the latest one D&D. Now, if you remember DM Roundtable number three, they did not they did not release playtest material in time, so we just had to we had to roll with it. But we're back. They have new playtest for material for us to dive into, and so they released this on twelve one twenty two. The survey goes to twelve twenty two. 
And in perfect order, this episode does not come out till 1223. So by the time you're hearing this, the survey will be closed. So I just hope that you guys already went on and took the survey before you listen to this podcast. Um, but in celebration of this, better <laughs> in celebration though, of this, of uh, the new playtest material in the survey that just closed yesterday, as of this release date, we will talk about it. And it is the cleric and revised species playtest. Um, that you can get a free copy of at dndbeyond.com. That is not, and that's not an ad. They don't support me, so I don't care if you support them. But if you should go there anyway and get a copy of one P, uh, the one DND PDF, and you can follow along. That's just where it is. Um. So who wants to go? Who wants to go first here? As we talk about what we love, what we dislike, or maybe we're feeling different about what we're excited about, anything like that. Yeah, I'll go first. So I'm going to I'm going to skip past the cleric for a little bit and go right to the new species. Okay, so um before uh I've played an Asimar before in 5th edition. I've never played an Ardling. Uh my understanding is that Ardlings are actually pretty new. Um I don't think I've ever actually seen anyone play them, but like I've I see this here now. I what I do like is that as far as I know, before there was no specific distinction. They were just another celestial touched race. But now it's specifically like, um, like beast-blooded celestials. So like somebody who's descended from like a, a hound archon or something like that. Um, so it's very specifically now you have an official five E furry race. Yes and no, because we already had the tabaxi. But uh, there's also a, a rabbit type thing. Yeah, yeah. There's 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 a few furry races. There's a few furry races because there's. I forget what the rabbits are called. There's the Hadozi now with Spelljammer. There's, um, oh, what are they called? The Owlin, which I think were with Strixhaven. But the the Ardling, specifically like separating it. So the the Asimar is descended very specifically from like angelic celestial. And Ardling is pretty much everything else. I, I do like the, the lineage in there. And the options on here. For things like, you know, you can be the climber, you can be the flyer, you can be the racer, you can be the swimmer. I like that for the same reason um, that I liked the shifter from the Eberron uh, setting. Yeah. Um, I like that a lot and that you have like intrinsic divine magic to it. But what I did not like <laughs> is flying is a very valuable commodity, especially early on. And it's already pretty rare. So you have like the Aarakocra Ken or Aarakocra, however it's pronounced can fly at level one. Um, as I mentioned, I've played an Asimar. You have a specific subtype of Asimar that can uh, get access to flight at level three as just intrinsically part of their body. Um, although, whereas the Aarakocra, I think, has like longer flight time um, than an Asimar. An Asimar is just like a, a timed, like you get like a one minute transformation and you get wings, basically. Yeah. Uh, giving the Dragonborn that same like one minute wing thing not a fan i i don't like that at all from a D dm standpoint or a player standpoint kind of from both actually like i i because i was a player first i tend to think of these things from like a player perspective first of mm -hmm. like would i enjoy playing this uh and then at the same time it's like I, I i'm not a big fan of player versus dm so i'm also i'm always looking at a character of like what can I bring to the table that will make this a, a functional, good, powerful character 
that will be fun to play that will have you know cool epic moments but also will not break my dms back trying to fit them you know fit encounters around yeah Mm -hmm. that's kind of also part of this is the dm side of this it's like you already get you know godzilla breath you don't need yeah. to be able to fly as well like we don't need an ac 130 race <laughs> yeah. yeah i i would agree with you as far as like it it kind of like the dragonborn shouldn't get both just because it's kind of like you get your stats some special abilities and then you get like yeah. a specialty thing i would be about it if it was one if you could pick one or the other i'd be about that and if they if they like if they don't publish this and this just eternally stays UA, I would probably consider that for possible options. But yeah, no, both like you you shouldn't depend so heavily on like your species now. I guess is what we're calling it before yeah. even your class for what you're going to play your character as. I'm gonna dis. I don't. I do agree that they shouldn't get both. You know, just because it does add another element. And I'm going to disagree with a lot of DMs because I know how, you know, as, you know, one myself, I know how a lot of DMs feel about it. I do not think that flying, especially like limited, I, I don't know if the, the Dragonborns get like a limited amount of flight time. If like they, they can't hover, they have to say or whatever. I do not think like in general, I don't think flying's that big of a deal. It's just another small element to the game that can like with improv can be easily like if your player can fly over an obstacle. Yeah, it's just another tool that they bring to the table. Like that's not a, it's not a bad thing. Yeah. But I don't think it's game breaking by any means. I, I really do think like it, it presents an opportunity to add more creative and cool stuff on the spot. You know what I mean? Like, Oh shit. Like maybe, they're fighting a bunch of frogs, I guess. And then like somebody starts flying like, Oh shit. Well now now these frogs got like fucking 40 foot tongues, you know, or whatever. There's, there's really simple solutions to that. I think it can add to the game. You know, it's, it's, it's no more imposing than it is uh, game breaking. Like I think it creates another level of elements for, for the game to be more interesting. Like I definitely don't, just in my personal opinion, I don't, I don't think it's by any means game breaking. Like, yes, that race is getting like, yeah, fucking super powerful. I don't, super I don't think the, now. yeah, but I don't think flying itself. Maybe that's just a different subject, but flying itself, I, don't, I really don't think it's that big of a deal. Let me jump in real quick because I, I was talking. This actually, this is something that just happened to me in my campaign. Right? Is that so? You don't, uh, William. You don't know this, but you were part of my campaign for a little bit. Moss died. Oh, get the fuck yeah, she out died. of here. And so, one of that, so Moss is one of my characters. She was the cleric. Uh, she died. And so she came back temporarily. She came back as a, uh, as an Aarakocra. Um, and she had a flight speed of 40, 40 feet. I believe it's 40 feet for flying for them. And they can, ho- they can so. hover, right? They can stay, like, they can cast their spells from, from flying and stuff like that. Uh, she was a monk, so she didn't really have any spells. So she, she had to get within range to fight, whatever. But in any case, like, here, but here's the point, is that she, as a monk, would fly down within five feet, do her stuff, use a key point to basically disengage and fly away. And so she basically became 
untouchable unless I could hit her with a throw do- thrown object. My only option was to do an improv option where they picked up like a boulder and threw it at her and in the hopes of knocking her like prone so that she would fall from the sky. And that's really all I had. Now, there are definitely monsters you can pick that will combat, uh, from a DM perspective, will combat flying creatures. But there's not a lot unless you homebrew, which, I mean, you can homebrew, right? You can solve, you can problem solve and homebrew a monster. There's not a lot of monsters out there that are good at combating both flying and ground creatures at the same time. I think maybe introducing, like, you you can't just, like, use the same shit over and over, but, like, like oh, shit, now a thunderstorm happens and it's heavy winds and, like, a tornado erupts. And, yeah, you do got kind of got a home, home roll, like, rolls on the spot, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? But you can make it to where there's pros and cons to flying. You know yeah. what I mean? Like you can evolve. You can like, we all shape as DMs. Everybody here is DMs, correct? Yep. Like, and we all shape our campaigns around our players. So I feel like, like, okay, now I have a, a player that's flying. Like, how can we subtly change the world a little bit and add to the story? Like, to where now, like, so like, I'm just going to use the like rainstorm or, or snowstorm or windstorm or whatever. Like they're like, Hey, it's fucking windy lately. Like this is a problem. Like, and then everybody's like, well, why is it windy? Like, why, why is this and that happening? And I think it can involve to maybe there's, maybe there's like an elemental sorcerer, like fucking shit up, you know? And so like, it can, you can always, I feel like you can always find like a back alley or something to, Back alley, <laughs> or what? You know what I mean? To where like they don't really no, know, know what you're doing, it's just but it's leading around. Yeah, yeah I like the idea of, of using a story uh, feature to kind of get them to be more creative. Because you know, if something's working, like Heath, if this Aracocra is is getting away with hitting and retreating every time. That's going to get stale for the player too, I think. You know, if you've ever played a warlock, Eldritch Blast gets boring. It's the same thing over and over. Right. Playing a melee warlock. So, anyways, I saw blasting. <laughs> yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah, that, that's the warlock. <laughs> I noticed though for this Dragonborn uh, on the 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 recently released Unearthed Arcana, it's at fifth level. They can they can get flight by fifth level. That's a spell, right? There's a, there's a, I don't know. What is a, what level is fly? There's a spell fly. Yeah. It's a third level spell. Yeah. You'd get it. At, you'd get it at a character of fifth. A fifth and level. it's a limited That's thing. That's kind of the other thing on here is I think. It's smart to yeah, limit it's, it. It's, it's 10 minutes, which is like, that's the key difference is the races that have flight intrinsically, like a wing tiefling is the other one that I didn't mention. I'm pretty sure they only get it for like one minute. And then it's like, now nah, you got to rest fam. But like these guys got 10 minutes. So like there, I, I agree with what, with what William is saying. It's like, yeah, there's, there's a lot of creative challenges that you can do and it just, it creates another axis on which you can interact with the world and that you need to use that to interact with your players because that's just the thing that's there. You can't just ignore it. Otherwise, of course, they're going to roll over your encounters, but that takes a lot of story elements away from you as well. Cause if there's a difference now of like, um, you mentioned critical role earlier. There's there's a point in the second campaign where they roll up on this like truly titanic tree. It's like 500 feet up to the branches. Um, now, if you got a one minute flight speed, maybe you can get up there, and then you got to figure out how you're going to back, get back down. If you got a 10 minute flight speed, 
this just isn't a challenge anymore. Like that's okay, fine. But that's but if they're that's only if the whole party has flight, right? There's others. Usually it's a party, right? And if you split the party, that's another challenge that's coming in. Yeah, but like you wouldn't have your whole party going up there on the one minute either. But like now there's no challenge of like, hey, go fly up there and see what's going on. Come back down here and tell us. Yeah, I guess it depends on what the goal is. If they're just trying to get to the top to see what they can see, then that's probably that definitely gives them recon options. Yeah, I don't I don't want to like turn into Reddit D and D power scaling <laughs> arguments on flight. That's just my, my two cents on it. Well, I do think we are underestimating the DM's ability. There's a whole arsenal of TPK that is available at any moment that we can just hand out. God willing, of course. <laughs> just, just well, yeah, and like in in my playstyle as a as a DM, I'm very much like the more you fuck around, the more you're gonna find out. But like, kind of how I mentioned a minute earlier, like. I, I'm not into player versus DM. Like I'm, I want to. I would like. I want them to do well. I want them to succeed. But I'm going to make it challenging because if you just get something that you didn't work for, it's empty. Right. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. Which is kind of like what ruffles my feathers on 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 that. But that's like you know, it's it's not. I'm I'm not going to lose out on anything. It's not going to break the game for me. It's just one of those like, well, you know, maybe ten minutes is a little much. Yeah. Uh, and you know they got they got dragon breath too so it's like it i guess really what it is uh is it's trying to do too many things everybody in the party has like the thing that they do so like the blaster doesn't necessarily have to be the flyer the flyer doesn't necessarily have to be the blaster so if you just out the gate are both then i mean like it, it it's a problem that i've had with with players before being a player at the table of having the the main character guy who's like wants to be good at everything i feel like this is a crutch for them like i don't mind if if they had much more limited flight it would not have i would not have been like whoa what the fuck is this i i, I agree with you there cuz i think the dragon breath i haven't looked too much into to to dnd next or not it's not called dnd one dnd it's called a, one dnd one dnd um, it is, uh, I feel like 10 minutes is a weird, like 10 minutes feels like it's, it's more for story, which is obviously where five years gone. And that's awesome. Um, I feel like, but where it really matters, I think is in combat, right? And in combat, even a minute is a long time, six rounds, like combat usually doesn't go six rounds. That's what so, I was going to say is like for a one minute, like I mentioned, I played an Asimar that could fly like. Yeah, sure. I busted that out every time I got. It lasted me the whole combat. Combat doesn't take like of IRL time. It's way longer than than in game time. Well, it's also limited by resting. They can't use it unlimited. They have to rest, so they have to decide. Well, is this the fight where I break out the wings, or do I wait if, if a dragon attacks? And the other thing too, by fifth level, they're kind of approaching superheroes, depending on the kind of game you run. Yeah, and. You know, our favorite superhero games, you know, you've got Iron Man or games, movies, Iron Man flying around, Captain America and the Hulk on the ground. It's like, you know, everyone's doing different things. It is interesting, though, that the Dragonborn got this boost. I don't think the Dragonborn needs to be made more popular. I play, uh, honestly, mostly I play with fourth and fifth graders and they they were complaining that my original how to make a character sheet, they're like, well, I want to be a dragonborn. I'm like, you've never played D&D. How do you know about a dragonborn? Well, I just know, <laughs> I know they're cool. Like, you know. 
all right, listen up here. Yeah, because it's a giant yeah. lizard dragon man that can breathe fire or lightning or acid or yeah, the breath weapon they really like. It's 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 just interesting. It's not. I don't think that the dragonborn has an appeal problem, but so they added to it to make it even more appealing. I guess everything will be dragonborn. I I also just I, I just looked it up um, while you were talking. That is it is pretty much I compared it to the to the UA. It is almost cut and paste the fly spell. Uh, so the the issue that comes with that, like again, I, I understand the the other side of it. I'm not trying to say like, well, let me convince you to to, to my side of the table. A full marshal, barbarian, let's say, uh, path of the beast. Since we're talking UA, although I think that might be fully published now. Why do they get to just have this spell? Like for for the Aladrin getting basically like a an amped up misty step. Well, a lot of Aladrin, I mean, yeah, you can play a full Marshal on Aladrin, but like just the way an Aladrin is set up is built to be a caster. And you can't do that that much, and it's not that high level of a spell. But being able to just be like, or if you are a uh, a caster, well, now you just have Fly for free. And that's just like, you just, you just have that. And there's other things like that give you stuff like that for feats. And so there's a cost to it. Like you got to give up your ASIs to get, you know, third level magic. I have a I have a character right now who has Drow High Magic or Drow High Magic. I don't actually know how that's pronounced, but it's like, yeah, I you got to give up ASIs to get that free third level slot. So to just have that built intrinsically into your back just seems like a little much. Yeah, uh, but I, I do want to move on to that because that that went on a bit longer than I thought. He's got nothing but time to edit. It's okay. I wanted to just really quick wanted to touch base on the Dragonborn ancestry. The the little small the small little change there, which I thought was actually kind of cool, is that uh, you can do your breath weapon now as a line or a cone. You get to decide how you yeah. want to use it yeah. every single time you use it. You could use it as a line the first time and then use it as a cone the second time. I think small little tweaks like that. One of the big things is is if you read over all the UA for one D and D is that they're they're seeming to really lean heavily into customization make everything more highly customizable and i think this is just a small step that that really complements that ability really well i just wanted to throw that in there yeah no i totally agree my 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 favorite uh race change oh no i'm sorry species don't Don't bet me me. you're out i told you i said one time (laughs) that's it peter get out No, I was talking about like races, like the racers, the sub, the subset of uh, of uh, Ardling is literally right, right, called right, right. racer. <laughs> but yeah, and on the on the Goliath, ever since the Goliath came out, I was like, oh, they're giant. They're they're from giants. Why are they just from stone giants? Where where's the rest of it? Now we have that. Yeah, that's cool. And they have like different ancestors from different types of giants. I that's love great. It. That is yeah. great. I've been asking for that forever. I it's pretty much perfect. Like there's very little I would change with that at all. I would maybe uh, do things like because like <laughs> going back to the Dragonborn thing, like their their breath scales as they go up. But like just we'll take Stone's Endurance, which is the one that the basic Goliath has had forever. Now it's the it's the Stone Giant lineage. It's like okay, you uh, you get to roll a d12 and subtract that from the damage that you took. Okay, that's awesome. Up until about level eight. Yeah. And it's like, okay, that's that's nice. That might save your keister in niche situations, but you're gonna pretty much just hang on to that as like a back pocket little thing from then on. That should scale. 
I, I think these these if like if we're gonna if we're gonna have species based um, built in abilities that scale, well then let's let's make them scale. Because having you know if you're fourteenth level and you can uh, ignore three d twelve damage, that will come in clutch, and you can only do it once. Yeah, and then you got a long yeah. rest. So it's not like oh I'm just gonna be I'm just gonna turn on God mode for the next like the rest of this. Uh, uh, not scenario. What? Why am I blanking on words? Campaign encounter. encounter. Uh, but uh, yeah, campaign. Yeah. <laughs> yeah if, you could, if you could just basically just ignore at seventeenth level like four d twelve damage like per your um uh, your proficiency bonus, it's like yeah. Let me just turn on God mode for the rest of the campaign. Pull up the console commands. Yeah. That that would be that would be broken. I I, I agree. That would be that would be dumb. But like. Um, yeah, let, let that scale. Let the let the one d six cold damage for the frost giant one. Like it's one d six. My guy, have pity. My boy. Does the dragonborn weapon breath weapon scales right? Yeah, yeah, and it starts out as a one d ten. So that's the other thing is like what the <laughs> wizard of the coast got no love for giants, man. Yeah, <laughs> bunch of haters. We know which side of the the, the dragon v giant war they it's sided. With. Consistent with the game's lore and fiction, like you're gaining levels in a class, not in a species. But that kind of goes out the window if you gain damage with your breath weapon. Like, how are you getting more acidic? Eating eating more right. citrus or something. God damn! It's called Dungeons and Dragons, my boy. Yeah, yeah. No, you know what? You're right. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> He's gone. Thank you, Peter, for being on tonight. <laughs> for those of you, because I know it's just listeners, so none of you got to see that. I just walked off. I just left. Uh, all right, real quick, because uh, I I know we're 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 coming on time here, so uh, let's just jump over. Anyone else have anything that they're looking forward to before we touch on anything? I have a couple things, but I'm going to, I'm going to hold back. Uh, Cause you guys are probably going to cover everything that I'm excited about. I have a couple things that I'm indifferent or dislike kind of I'll hold back on those before we jump into that. Anyone have anything else that they're excited about outside of what we talked about? I have like very little keynotes and I'll read them off. Cause I wrote a list. Cause I, I'm a professional voice. <laughs> I don't talk about nine 11. I don't talk about Kanye. Okay. I don't talk about the devil. I don't talk about none of this. I'm here to talk about D and D. So here I we go. He, met, he, he left out the drugs. So that's the, <laughs> oh, the drugs. I don't talk about, I don't talk about drugs either. That's a, I'm a, I'm a dare. I'm a dare to not do drugs. Type of fella. Okay. Oh, yep. I was in second grade in 2007. You know what I'm about. So, um, so, so here, here, here are my pros. I'm a fucking rattle them off. I like uh, there's pros and cons. Here we go into a danger. <laughs> no. <laughs> so I do like um, now it's arcane, primal, and divine sorts of magic. I think that's cool. I think it kind of. I don't like being too specific. Where I don't like being too specific is class groups, right? I feel like kind of pigeonholes. You know where a cleric is a priest where. A barbarian is a warrior. And like, yes, these are what these classes tend to lean to. I like the idea of a fucking, of a barbarian or, or like an orc cleric, right? Or like a, and what, like a, I like, I don't know how to, like, like, okay. So I think, I do believe that a, a paladin is in the warrior, in the warrior group. Is that correct? It's in the priest. It's they they have it listed in this UA here as under priest, which like yeah, I get because you're it supposed is. to be yeah, a holy cleric, warrior. druid, paladin, or priests. 
Right. Yeah. I like the idea of like a nature cleric. And I think you should get be able to, or prime, like a nature cleric should get their spells from maybe, I don't know, maybe there's a Venn diagram of primal and divine or something. I don't know how much it affects because I really haven't been keeping up on the one uh, D or whatever. I, I, there's times to be specific and there's times not to, I do like arcane primal and divine. That's cool. Yeah. It really simplifies it. Cause I'm a, I'm a ranger boy through and through. I love them. Range. We all agree. Rangers are ass and five E, you know, so maybe they're going to do something. Bro, speak for yourself. Monster Slayer is amazing. <laughs> no, it is that cool, but stacks, like, so as like an inherent like math guy, like a little bit of a power gamer, like I'm a big story guy too, and I feel like Ranger lent itself to story, which is awesome. But you're not always going to get that deal. You're not always going to be like if you're a new player, right? With a but you sit down at a table. I feel like. You know, like people always say that you have to, you have no D&D to play like a wizard, right? Or like a warlock because shit's a little weird. I feel like a ranger, you gotta, how ranger currently exists, you really gotta love D&D and you gotta, you gotta, you gotta know the ins and outs to really play a ranger well and have fun. If you're in a fucking party with a paladin, if you're in a party with other like like other classes that are inherently fucking getting it done you know yeah. you got to work a little more to be a, a good ranger um and while that's not bad i feel like we all know who aragorn is or aragorn and aragorn aragorn, aragorn. aragorn is the dragon writer aragorn is the uh is the guy from lord of the rings that is basically the perfect masculine example. folks around here called him strider Strider, my boy. You ever been to the White Pony? Um, but like we we all know who he is, and I feel like when we come to D and D, a lot of newbies aren't like super comfortable. Like, oh, like the fucking spell. Like you gotta keep track track of all the shit. Like, oh, I want to be fucking Strider. So you know, it's what people gravitate to. I feel like it it should be made. I don't know. I feel like it's 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 D and D for dummies is who that's who they're going to gravitate to. A little bit of magic, a little bit of fucking being a badass, yeah. you know. Yeah. And I hope I haven't. Like I said, I haven't kept up with D and D one. I love that classification for lore reasons. It that lends itself to like in in universe storytelling very very well. Because before it's been it's been like kind of a little muddy of like well why isn't a druid like what's stopping a druid from being like casting fucking fireball my boy that shit don't make no goddamn sense yeah because that that seems like a pretty primal power yeah. right just right. fire at someone one hundred percent yeah why is why is wizard the ones that just gets missile so Trevor let's move Trevor what do you what are some of your things you're looking forward to in the in one D and D or just from this specific document. Uh, I mean, just as well, really anything. I mean, if you have other things from other just one D&D in general, whatever you want to share. Well, I just like the idea. I I know that there's been some talk about the reason Wizards of the Coast is doing this is to kind of wrangle in the open gaming license. But they've they've made statements that that's not their plan with this. I do like how they're talking about it as a modular system. And I think it's already how people play it. They're just kind of. Uh, 
you know, putting it in writing, like you can take or leave these rules. You can use this class or use this thing or that thing. And D and D it's owned. Like the name is owned and some of the monsters are owned by a company, but it really is a pretty, I don't, I don't want to say grassroots. That sounds too like political, but it's like, it's a very um, diverse and kind of open source thing. And I think this will just continue to do that. And if you, you know, you're going to have people that want to go back and play, you know, like Peter was talking about playing 3.5. We're going to be, I think most of us are going to be, Oh, you know, I grew up, grew up. I was 28 when I started playing, but I, I started off (laughs) playing, 5e right it's like well you know i play the 5e rules because i know them better but you know one D is good for you guys I, i'm i guess i'm looking forward to learning some new new things and i don't know just the way that the game yeah. stays fresh and keeps people buying books <laughs> that's really the capitalist part of it yeah. you gotta buy the new yeah, books stereotypes don't change yeah you gotta, you gotta buy them some rules clarification maybe like does anybody know how fucking jumping works I did, and then I read this document, and now I'm not sure. But like they, they have, I have like the the DM screen. You know, it's got like just the base one. It's got like the flying red dragon. Yeah. Right. Oh yeah, reincarnated. I have that. Yeah, yeah, the reincarnated one. Does it say it on that? Because I'm at a fucking loss every time. I'm like, oh. I'm pretty sure it's panel four. It has like long jump, high jump rules. I will say the best, the best new rule is exhaustion. I think exhaustion is so simple now. It's like, yes, it's a penalty, but it's not it's not eight different things. It's the same thing for each level right. where the, you like lose points off of a check. I think that's a good idea. I'm going to I'm going to use that yeah. in my next game, obviously. Uh, honestly. Yeah. Hell yeah, man. I, lo- I loved exhaustion. That that would you definitely 100% you're spot on with that. I think the thing that they're, the changes they're doing with exhaustion were great. I want to real quick though. I really I want to talk about grappling. Because they definitely changed grappling on how on like how it works, right? So now, and this is actually in my dislike section. I I like grapple rules the way they are. I like when you when you go to oh, you yeah. go to grapple, you, yeah. it's a contested check, um, strength versus you know athletics versus athletics or, or acrobatics. Uh, the way they're doing it now is grapple is just a option you can pick when you do an unarmed strike. You do an unarmed strike and say I want to try to grapple them. If you hit, you grapple. There's no contested check anymore. It's yeah. just yes, you grapple. Yeah, fuck that. I didn't like that at all. I don't. I'm like, what am I playing? Soul Caliber? Like, no. <laughs> yeah. What is this? I there's. I want to give an. Can I give an intimate story for that real quick? Yeah, do it. Intimate <laughs> grappling story. Yeah, okay, okay, here we go. So, let me turn. Let me turn, let me turn the lights yeah, down real like, quick. D and D after dark. Here we go. So my my favorite character. So primarily. I've been a DM my whole like D&D career. I was a character in Curse of Strahd, and I was a character in Heath's campaign. My character in Curse of Strahd was a Russian by the name of Odemir Volkov. And I love this motherfucker with all my heart, right? Curse of Strahd, he dies, right? So I end up coming up with this. Odemir was crazy, and so he always had he was he was of course he was he was certifiable, yeah. And so I ended up, I was like, I don't know what to do. Like Odemir was such gold, he was so funny, he was so important to the story. Like, what do I do moving on, right? So I he had throughout the campaign, 
he I had him write these stories about like this little shitty sketched cartoon character named Blood Geyser, which was like this very violent bunny. And then so when he died, I was like, oh, Blood Geyser is going to come to life. Like Odomir was so we justified it by like Odomir was so crazy that like his imagination came to life or whatever. Right. So I had this fucking bunny who <laughs> like this cartoon bunny. Have you guys ever seen the show Happy with the dude from SVU? Where there's like this little cartoon Never. thing. Oh, okay, whatever. So anyway, so anyways, um, in the world, this grim dark world of Curse of Strahd, there's this actual like Looney uh Looney Tunes character. Yeah, this Looney Tunes character, like this cartoon character in like who's tangible named Blood Geyser. And he talked like a he it was a mix between Macho Man, Randy Savage, and Jason Statham. <laughs> And he just grapple the fuck out of people and just fucking fucking burrow into their chest. And like the the grapple mechanics like made me like helped me really like present that character, you know, and really made it it's it's a it's it's like the perfect mix between like story and like mechanics, which sometimes there's a barrier, but yeah. That I don't know. There's something special about like if I were to roll and I were to shit the bed on the roll but like i have a fucking two foot bunny that has a strength of 20 plus like a belt of giant strength who's gonna fuck up a like i don't know like a giant like i don't know something about that like it's super cool that i feel like maybe yeah. these new grapple mechanics yeah, are because it's because it's that superhero image if it's like this this person who's this size is just prevailing against an impossible threat yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, that's what the fantasy is about. That's why mm-hmm. we call it that. Yeah, but like for something like this, I I'm with Heath. I don't like this. That feels like a video game. Yeah. Are we canceling Wizards of the Coast we right are. now? We're no, again. They've been canceled, canceled. my guy. <laughs> mm. They made monkey no. jokes. They've been canceled. Jeez. <laughs> I think well, that's that's one of the elements of the like the old school Renaissance. Where they, what they say, rulings, not rules. Like obviously, rules are helpful, and they they set a frame. But the story you're telling, William, I think, yeah, a ruling from the DM, or you know, something consistent that's still going to make it make the fiction of the game fun, is going to be more helpful. Right, which is what we I think. Want. That's always the principle. Like the DM can throw a rule out. Uh, but you got you want to be careful about it if it's a, a, a rule that's going to be coming up over and over again. You want to make sure you have something consistent so your players aren't frustrated or or confused. I'll tell you something about Heath's game. We went into a tavern and like I was just like a very calm, cool, collected character. I ordered a glass of water and then a session later I died of dysentery, you know. <laughs> so sometimes you really just have evil people out there <laughs> doing evil things to hurt people. <laughs> He's not talking about his character. He means him. <laughs> he means, yeah, Heath, I think, is the evil we had one. To, we had to give up a $300 diamond to bring this man back just for the show. <laughs> he's saying he got a drink of water out of my faucet here in Gilbert, Arizona and got dysentery. <laughs> That's yeah. where it's going to happen is Gilbert. <laughs> a good rule of thumb is if you have to chew the water, it's probably not great to drink. <laughs> yeah, that you may want to reconsider <laughs> He's like, I didn't realize I signed up for pudding. Yeah. He's like, hey, come over, walk up five flights of stairs, drink brown water, and then find a way home. You're like, what? 
Absolutely. And you won't be able to Absolutely. call because there's no cell service or internet service up here either. <laughs> no, there's not. No, he makes us play in his closet. It's super weird. <laughs> I think at, at the fifth floor, you're out of cell range for most towers. Yeah, it's you're you're like level with the tower. Yeah, we had to sign a paper before, and I'm illiterate, so I don't know what I signed. But like, oh my gosh, these are all true stories, 100 percent true. Uh, yeah, this is a true crime, true, true crime podcast. They're popular, yeah, the they're popular. We'll say. Oh, sorry, real quick, just one more thing I wanted to add that I thought was actually really cool. Before we move on to our our campfire stories, is that one of the things I did love is that they added the study action. And if you guys saw that, they added the study action with yes. knowledge tables. Yes. Saying like, okay, are now Arcana check for if you're doing a study action, you do an Arcana check for these certain things, right? You're talking like certain types of uh, like magic history or spell history or you know a celestial That's or a fey cool. creature history would be Arcana. Mm-hmm. And then like, but what I love is there was never no real rule there about like, at least that I read where it was like, okay, I want to try to recall something from my memory. I was always like, I don't know, make like an intelligence check, I guess. I don't know. But now there's like a yeah. whole like table for it, which is really cool. Yeah. No, it's, it's, it's been on the DM to basically like pick a skill, have them make a roll. And now it's like, well, here's a table. And these are, you know, like the loose concepts of what they're in there. So if they say something that's a synonym for one of these words or one of these words, now you know what to do. Uh, before we move on, uh, the other thing that I really liked, uh, let me go back up. Oh no, sorry. It was, it was the opposite. Didn't like, I don't like that. If you, if you roll a one, it's just a natural one on any D 20 test gives you inspiration. Like nah, what the fuck? That's, nah, that's fuck not that. what inspirations for you suck. You suck my like boy. That's that. Sometimes you roll a one. Sometimes shit goes bad. It doesn't necessarily mean you dropped your sword because that would be like improfessional for, you know, an eighth level fighter who's super great at fighting, why would he just flub and drop his sword? No, sometimes shit just goes sideways and doesn't go your way. That doesn't mean you just get advantage next time. No, fuck that. And another thing is that, like, creatures can't crit on you? Fuck that, dude. Yeah, I don't like that. I want I want that level of danger as a player. My The last session I played... Um, I had three of my compatriots go down, and I was playing a celestial warlock. And guess how many pools of d, or how many d sixes I had in my pool of healing left? I'm a hope zero. That's, that's zero better now. than average. We didn't get a long rest at the end of that session. We're still mid dungeon, so like I like that kind of challenge where it's like, by 100%. the way, guys, let's like chill out for a minute and use some of those uh, magic healing dice. Because I got nothing and our cleric ain't around anymore. <laughs> right. And that's cool because it adds to the story. Because if you're in the middle of a fucking dungeon infested with fiends or with, with an, uh, a dungeon, uh, an occultic dungeon, like you're going to rest. You need a barricade. Like they know you're in there. They're going to stumble across the uh, dead bodies. Right. So you're going to rest to get a mechanical benefit. But it adds so much for like the story that you're telling, you know, because yeah. they don't just pause and wait for you to fucking yeah, be up. You know what I mean? Doing, they're, just, they're not just hitting the T-pose. Like this is their right. home. They're, you ever walk around your house? Guess what they <laughs> Right. 100%, dude. I totally feel that. Yeah, no. So it was like, it was one of those like punch in the face. All of us are bleeding kind of like, oh, shit. We got our shit rocked. We need to like be careful because... We, it's that sudden realization of like you're not an invincible hero sometimes like you're just as mortal as everyone that you've gone through to get here 
Right. So I don't like the whole like taking away the crits. It's like, okay, well, what's the point of adamantine armor now? It's also a lot of fun as a DM to make a face, to make a face when you roll a crit, like, oh, you know? Yeah. It's part of the experience. It's part of the fun of being a DM, just, oh, pretending like you're mad or sad about it. And you're like, oh, I'm going to finally get this guy. I love it. The players just hear like, (laughs) <laughs> it's the best yeah oh my god my same dm his his tower that he uses has like a bunch of things that the dice hits so he'll send one dice through that and it sounds like four so when when you get a crit it's it's like oh no i better start making a new character because he he puts a bunch of dice that i think and all you hear is a flood of noise <laughs> You're like, well, good old Johnny Bravo is going to get retired into the ground. <laughs> I think one of the things that we should be appreciative about D&D, it's unlike any other fandom or hobby where, like, I'm a big uh, Magic the Gathering player, right? And there's rules, like, like this is this and this is that. And maybe, like, Warhammer or... Right. With D&D, though, like, they're coming out with these new rule rulings, we play D&D to have fun and D&D gives us the space to like, if we don't like this rule, I'm not going to use it. I'm going to use this one or this one, you homebrew rules and you do this and that. And I, and I really think so with uh, one coming out, like it's not, um, it's not shitting on our hobby. It's not like, Oh, now we can't do this anymore. We can always play the game the way we want to play. So maybe in the official books, some things are being changed it doesn't have to affect our table you know what i mean we can still play the game the way that we have the most fun and that's ultimately what it's all about and so i think like these discussions are awesome because we all get a sense of like the general consensus of like oh we don't like this we like this whatever we have the option in this particular game to kind of like just pick and choose like what what is the most fun for everybody, you know? So these grappling rules, fuck them. You know what I mean? These, <laughs> um, you don't, yeah. you will riot. Get them out of here. Yeah, no, but even if they do, right, get them, get out of here. But like, even if they do, like. You just be like, I realize the council has made a decision. In 100%. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> what do you mean I'm on the council, but not granted the rank of Jedi? <laughs> Uh, and then Samuel Jackson's just like, eat shit. And then Anakin's like, I guess. I guess. And then they grapple about it. And then, and then they grapple about it. <laughs> they yeah, and then they sc- grapple about it. Yeah. They fight. They it. grapple. I love it. Uh, all right, guys. So thank you so much for taking some time to talk through the one DD. I think it was a great. That was a great conversation. I think we got a lot in there. We fit a lot in there about what we like, what we don't like. And, and listen, by the time I'm done editing, Lot solid five minutes, guys. A conversation that was perfect. Thanks, everybody. For <laughs> all right, let's move into our uh, what are they called? Campfire stories. My holiday. I haven't ran this game, but I've been thinking about it for a minute. Uh, I would like the party to stumble upon, not stumble, they'd be contracted by like some sort of military, right? To come to this village where this military's soldiers are being 
they're just going up missing or maybe they're finding body parts or whatever. And they get there. And after some, it's, it's a mystery deal. They get there and they find out that it's actually the villagers that are summering like this ancient um, primal entity known as Krampus to protect themselves from these occupying, occupying uh, soldiers, you know? So then they're kind of put into this moral dilemma, right? Cause they were contracted to kill this monster. They find out the villagers like summon this monster through D and D magic, you know, that's really kind of protecting them. So it's kind of like this, you know, like Krampus is kind of like an anti-hero and they got to be like, all right, like do we kill Krampus and let this occupying force terrify this village? Do we let Krampus run amok, even though he's kind of inherently like this evil entity? Like what do they do about it? And that's a, that's a really fun um, starting point to go, you know, to take your campaign in a couple different directions. Um, I think it'd be really fun. I think the characters would love it because like, you know, like a fighter doesn't get a lot of options other than just swing my fucking great sword, you know, like it gives, it gives them this option to really make this decision that could very likely affect the world and affect where the campaign goes, you know, and it's Christmassy, you know, you can add all sorts of elements. Like, like if you wanted to kill Christmas, like you could wrap your weapon in mistletoe or you, you could do all sorts of things, you know, beat them with a fucking bag full of coal or I don't know. You know what I mean? Like there's like all sorts of elements, you know, that's how they summon him or this, that, like, you can make it very Christmassy, very D and D, and you can also like really make it less of a like oh Santa came to town sort of thing. It could you could really make it integral to your to your campaign, and I think that's cool. And from there, we're talking about your fucking your your Witcher ruling, you know, where the bag gets cut in half, you know, like all of a sudden after this, it's like oh shit, like if I was able to kill Krampus with wrapping my arrow or my sword in mistletoe, we are going up against this monster. I don't know, like five, eight sessions later, like, and maybe it'll make your characters think like, Oh, well let's go read about this character. Does he have the secret weakness? Like, can we put a certain oil? Could we put like, could we do like a, 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 I don't know, like a ring of salt or something to like find this like hidden element which is going to be a weakness. So now it's both story and mechanical. And I feel like those are the things that really help drive, help drive a campaign. Mm. You know what I mean? When you combine both because D and D for me, it's always seemed like two different games It's story and then combat. You're like, okay, well now we're looking at a character sheet and it's like, well, I'm going to move five squares and then I'm going to move one over here. And then now I'm going to do this thing. You know what I mean? Like it, it's a good way of trying to combine the paper and the person sort of sort of yeah that's really cool i like that idea cool well i'll go next (laughs) (laughs) i'll make it personal i'll tell an embarrassing story about myself oh we getting intimate getting intimate turn the lights down after dark D &D, come at you hot yeah so for it was for christmas one year we went on a trip as a family we went to vegas uh, Vegas, you, MGM, the MGM hotel in Vegas. I don't know if it still has it, but they used to have an amusement park behind the their hotel, uh, the MGM amusement park. We went, yeah, and yeah, it's still it, there. It's it's at the Excalibur. Okay, okay. 
Well, I was just there in May. Yeah, it's well, they used to have a log ride, kind of like I don't know if you've ever been to Disneyland, but like Splash Mountain, um, where you take a water ride. You go up and you just you come down and you get soaked uh, from a big drop. So I was. I don't know how old I was. I think I was right around 10 years old. Uh, and the re- and guys, I promise this doesn't really tie into holidays other than we win at Christmas time. So this is this is as holidays as it gets. <laughs> there was Christmas trees uh, decorating the Vegas Strip. All right. That's what, that's my tie in back to the holidays. Uh, we were there. My my mom had taken me that she wanted me. She wanted to go on this log ride. I get in line with her. It's a long line. It's like two hour line. An hour and 45 minutes in this two-hour line, I have to pee. And I tell her, I'm like, Mom, I got to pee. She's like, no, we're not getting out of line. She's like, you're, she's like, you're going to get wet, so you're just going to pee your pants on, on the ride because then no one will know. if you. <laughs> That's such a mom response. <laughs> I'm, at this moment, I'm pro-mom. <laughs> yeah, that's such a – So, all right, great. Well, there's these girls and there's these girls in front of us in line. We get all the way up to where the second the, the girls are about to get on, the girls are about to get on the ride, and then it's ne- and then we're next, and these guys are getting off the ride. These college age guys and these you know and they start flirting, and so the girls are like, "Yeah, cut over. You can ride with us on the next one." So they like jump over the rope. They cut in front of us. We don't care. We're like, "All right, we're gonna, we're getting on the log anyway. Doesn't matter." I think to myself, "All right, guys, listen, I can't hold it anymore," and we're like sec- next to get on the ride. So my logic is like, if I pee my, <laughs> oh no, if I pee my pants now, I'm so sorry. This is it'll <laughs> it'll shaping up it'll to be quite soak a good story. It'll soak into my pants. It'll soak into my pants, and <laughs> no one will know because we're about to get on this ride. And so I just, I just go. I just start going, <laughs> not thinking, not thinking in my brain that I have shorts on, and <laughs> mom's so proud. I'm sure. <laughs> I bet. You like you turn to your mom and you're like, you did this. <laughs> <laughs> you did this. I'm 15, mom. <laughs> hey, he said 10. That's that's still like that's that's pretty rough. It dribbles. It starts to splash on the ground at my feet and starts splashing all over the leg in front of the guy, like the guy in front of me. <laughs> he turns. He tur- that's what he gets for cutting that tur- guy. <laughs> he turns around. He looks at me. And he goes. Are you cold, man? I don't know why he said that. <laughs> I just like what? I was, I was, and Not anymore. I'm warm now. My, anymore, my sister jumps over the railing and just takes off down the exit lane. So embarrassed. And then my mom's like, you're getting out of line. We're walking to the bathroom. I don't know why. We're still like next to get on the ride. I don't know why we just didn't get on the ride. <laughs> no, she, she, she makes me. It's like, I don't got to go to the bathroom anymore, mom. Like, what do you mean we're going to the bathroom? A little late for that. She makes me walk, walk the whole lane. I'm like waddling down the lane. And you could just be like, just clearly peed my pants. So then I get embarrassed. And everyone's like pointing and laughing at me as I waddle my way down the exit lane. 
see it out of the ride line. Oh, man. Oh, my God. God. So brutal. It's rough. That's so rough. And there was like Christmas carols playing in the background. Uh... (laughs) You should have turned to your mother and been like, we're all making sacrifices today, (laughs) mother. And then just get in. Just get in. Oh, my gosh, guys. Wow. Oh well, I'm glad I, I'm glad that I'm glad it was funny to you because if that was a go, if that story bombed, yeah. I'd just be like, I don't know what to do at this point. Like that's no. that's where we're at. Yeah. I, I'll tell you what, you're gonna wake up tomorrow refreshed. <laughs> You'll feel oh yeah, your your shoulders will be up, your your head will be <laughs> high. You're gonna feel really good after that. Very cathartic. Oh my <laughs> <sighs> you know, watch tomorrow, watch that uh Jeffrey Dahmer. Uh <laughs> documentary and then you'll be like that wasn't so bad so bad you know oh my god i'm doing pretty all right considering wow all right who's next who wants to follow that up oh man i can't how am i gonna follow that up all right so yeah i guess i'll just tell about a story about a a game i was play it off as a, a you know a game that i i played or planned or tried to play at least there's this um, adventure. I think it's just called Santa is Dead, which is so just so uh, so cheerful. But Santa runs afoul of the Wild Hunt, um, which is you know Odin and his crew. And Santa, it's it takes place in Victorian England, and um, basically Santa is murdered, and you have to solve the murder, and it turns into a whole fiasco of hunting down the wild hunt and it's kind of like part Cthulhu part uh, Sherlock Holmes I guess so it and then it all ends in a big confrontation with the wild hunt so that that was one one way you could approach the holidays not the cheerful Santa coming to town and Santa's not the villain he's just he's the victim and so I don't know how you would save Christmas once Santa's rib cage is ripped open but I guess there's probably some way to do that Get a get a, maybe a new Santa maybe Jack Skellington a did player it. becomes Santa or yeah recruit somebody from the Halloween town uh, crowd. Um, the, you, so you that was one Santa Claus into your game. Yeah, the Santa <laughs> Claus yeah. where like one person dies and the next person becomes Santa if you put on the coat. Yeah, I guess you could have have some kind of a devil a deal with the devil kind of thing, and then the other so the other I guess real life story is. One year, I really wanted the Millennium Falcon for Christmas, right? Who who didn't and who doesn't still want the Millennium Falcon? And I was sizing up all the boxes under the tree. Um, I was shaking them, and, and we didn't find that my sister and I uh, didn't find the Millennium Falcon, but my dad realized we were guessing every other gift that was there pretty well. So <laughs> I think soon after that, he decided um, – because – you know, presents at our house, we didn't do it the night of Christmas Eve. We, the presents would kind of just show up as mom and dad had time to, to wrap them. And, um, we noticed one year there were no labels. There was no, you know, for Trevor or for Jesse, my sister, it was like, it said Wyoming or it said Massachusetts. My dad had coded all the presents. So we didn't know who they were for. And, it was pretty hard to get. It actually became very hard to guess 
who the present was for. And that's a tradition we still carry on, even now that we're both in our 30s. She has kids now, so we that's close awesome. the presents, and Dad pulls out. He has this receipt-style paper. I don't know where he gets it, but he has this like long kind of scroll paper he keeps in his wallet. He's like, okay, what's the name? It's says, oh, it's it's Reagan. Okay, Reagan is so and so, or <laughs> it's you know he picks a theme every year, so that's kind of a fun tradition we still do. That's really fun, awesome. Man, I'm boring as hell. <laughs> this is really tough to put it into perspective for me. Right, so I've never played any kind of tabletop over the holiday season because it always gets super busy and you just don't play. My next game isn't happening until January 14th, so it's continuing to this day. My you guys favorite... play on Sundays, per chance? You guys What's that? Sundays. <laughs> you guys play on Sundays? Bro, I got to work on Sundays. I got to pick it up once we start going into the uh, post-holiday season. Yo, I'll meet you behind the Denny's on Broadway. If you... <laughs> <laughs> it's like, hey, yo, you got the stuff. <laughs> intimate grappling. <laughs> no, that's Van Buren. That's Van Buren. Uh, <laughs> automatically <laughs> hits. Automatically. <laughs> uh, what was I gonna say? My my favorite Christmas memory is um, there was it was like five six years ago. They were going around. Um, Coke started doing that whole like name on Coke thing again uh, when it like first came back, like a few years back. Uh, I don't think I don't think they're doing it anymore. It's like a summer thing, but I ain't seen it in a couple summers, like since before the pandemic. But so it was it was a few years before that. Anyway, I thought Peter was a pretty common name. I so I'm going into like every Target, every Walmart, every Circle K, anywhere I can see Coke bottles, I will go look and be like, Oh, is, is there one that says Peter on it? No, never, never found one. And so this went on for like two years, and I'm like What's wrong with the Coca-Cola company? They've never heard the name Peter before. Like, what's going on? I found one that had um, oh, what what the hell was that name? It was I don't know. It was some uh, it was, I don't remember. I don't even remember what it was, but it was like a really really uncommon name. Started with like an M and was spelled a weird way. And I'm like, that's, that's probably me thinking it's weird just because I'm white. But um, <laughs> Yeah, this, so yeah, it's like two years. Never found a Coke bottle with my name on it. And I was getting like, all right, well, I guess it's, that's a dream that's going to die, I guess. Uh, that Christmas, uh, I get this uh, I get this uh, box that was like a little bit taller than, than this. It was like, you know, like less than a foot tall. And I'm like, what in the hell could possibly be in there that somebody would get me? And so I'm like all confused. And uh, my mom had special ordered like from the Coca-Cola company directly Aww. a Coke bottle with my wow. name on it. And I had that uh, sitting on top of my fridge uh, on its own little special place uh, up until I just moved a couple months ago because the, the bottle had <laughs> had kind of just like <laughs> flattened itself. <laughs> um, but uh uh yeah i so i i, I tossed it because i was like one well, of the bottles so like damaged now that i couldn't i wouldn't even be able to like pour it out and put like you know colored water in it but yeah it was it's that's my favorite thing because it was like i she knew i was looking for it for a long time couldn't find it there's a bunch of other things that i could have been given like oh here's a cool new lightsaber from one of those like you know aircraft grade aluminum lightsaber kind of places 
or uh, or like a new set of shoes. It's like you know whatever kind of shoes I was talking about at the time. It was like no, it was it was just this little thing of like, hey, she got me a Coke bottle with my name on it, and it was just like that's probably the most like meaningful gift that I've been given in like recent decades. It was just something so nonchalant is just a Coke bottle with my name on it. And so that's my favorite Christmas memory. That's, that's awesome. really sweet. I actually that's really awesome. like that. It's very surprising that you couldn't find a bottle with your name with Peter. For two years, my man. <laughs> they have, they have bottles years. with the name Dick on it. Like yeah. if you're gonna get Dick, you're no, gonna I get Peter. Straight up seen Coke bottles that just says Dick. And I'm like, <laughs> what the fuck? why? Why? And so it's like at one point I was even like, okay, well, my middle name's Anthony. I've seen like 600 bottles that say Anthony on them. I might just have to settle for that and just be like, ah, oh, here's here's to Tony. But like, no, I want, like, yeah, it's like, no, I want, I want my first name, like fucking six different ways to spell Marissa. And I'm like, where's Peter? That's a pretty common name. <laughs> I know like six other dudes named Peter. Like, they were all buying fuck? the bottles before you got there. That's why. Yeah, you're right. You're right. <laughs> That's probably what I mean. Thank you guys so much for, for being on the show today. Thank you so much for sharing your stories, letting us, uh, you know, kind of talk in and get into know you guys a little bit, bit better. And uh, it was such a fun conversation. And I really appreciate your guys' time and energy uh, and and just being here. It's been it's been a blast. And I hope you guys, I hope you guys had a good time because I had a blast. Yeah, this is yeah, a bunch of fun, you. man. This is a ton of fun. Awesome. Well, you guys have a great rest of your week, your weekend, and we will uh, we'll talk soon. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Everyday Dungeon Master. If you enjoyed what you heard today, we would love it if you would give us a follow on whatever podcast platform you're listening on. And if you're feeling extra nice, drop us a rating and a review as that helps the show grow. And if you decide to leave us a five-star review, we will give you a shout out on a future episode. If you're a DM or a player and you want to drop a future topic suggestion on the show, you can definitely reach out to me. I'd love to hear from all of you at everydaydmpod and at everydaydungeonmaster at outlook.com by email. With that said, I wish you all the natural 20s in the world. Have a great week. And I look forward to sharing another amazing episode of Everyday Dungeon Master with you all next week. Happy gaming, nerdy adventures.